Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, where change agents, social innovators, faith leaders, business leaders, community activists come together at the intersection of remembering and belonging and a sense of place. I'm your host, Troy Bronsink from The Hive in Cincinnati. The framework for our conversation is the relationship of three scholars whose lives' work have shaped and informed one another. Walter Brueggemann, Peter Block, and John McKnight are notable thought leaders in their own rights, but at this point in their careers, their work has begun to shape the others. In fact, their friendship becomes a sort of model for how the common good shows up in local, tangible, relational ways. So the performance of neighborliness would be partly the distribution of ownership and the willingness to invest in people on the margin. That's right. People that we used to call poor, now we call them neighbors. Each episode in this first season will be conversations between these three scholars. In some ways, these are uh, old friends that are together. You can picture them around the kitchen table. In other ways, they're kind of weighing in on the life experience of their work and how it's shown up in the world. We'll be dropping into this conversation. You'll hear them refer to other points of the conversation throughout today's podcast. Today's episode begins with a question that Peter asks about the impact of their work. In, in other words, uh, how would folks act on their life's work? And in there, you'll hear quickly Peter talk about his own work around six conversations and John McKnight talk about his own work around asset-based community development. And then Walter really kicks off with this kind of deeper question of what is it to put this stuff into practice? What I'd do is teach people the six conversations and say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And John's jumping in now. I teach them the five assets of Gilmore and myself. And then say goodbye. (laughs) Go down to Walter. I don't know. How would you say what you tell them before you say goodbye to Walter? And now Walter chips in. I teach him an alternative narrative. Exactly. That is waiting to be performed. So maybe that's the question, is what's waiting to be performed? Yeah. Last time you began by talking about the unmasking, that what you do with the church is help unmask every institution, every empire. That's right. Has to speak in euphemisms. And uh, whoever captures it first captures the flag. You know, this is patriotism because it's my certainty. That's right. That's right. And I thought that was uh, so unmasking. But what else would you say about if somebody said, what's to be performed in the world as well as in the church? Well, uh, what's to be performed is neighborhood. And uh, uh, John knows much more about this than I, but I would say that the Three acts of neighborhood are uh, generosity, hospitality, and forgiveness. Uh, each of which contradicts the totalism. Totalism is based on uh, scarcity, uh, exclusion, and uh, revenge. What leads to vengeance or revenge? Oh, the the sense that you've been transgressed and you have to get even. And that's the opposite of hospitality. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. This is the the, uh, thou shalt not covet. That's right. 
I think I think the Ten Commandments can be interpreted that way as a performance or a mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or or a guideline. Yeah. You know, the uh, if I trail back the economic system that we call the empire, and what is it underneath it all? What is it? And it began with enclosure, and said that there are no more common lands. Yep. There's That's no right. more common good. That's right. It's mine, yeah. and I can make more money with sheep on that land. Yeah. But behind behind the enclosure is the ideology of scarcity. Yes. I've got to fence it because I don't have enough, and if the neighbors come in on the, my grass, I don't have enough grass for my right. sheep. And, and it's established the primacy of property. That's right. And solved the, the dilemma of the commons, which is how do we be fair if everybody could use the same space? That's right. We don't have to, we have to depend on culture rather than law. That's right. So that And we gave up on culture and established law as the way of deciding about the That's commons. exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because cu culture uh, makes possible uh, a sense of restraint for mm -hmm. the sake of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And if you take that away, then you eat up all the commons. I mean, it's here where the conversation around practices of neighborliness um, lean toward this question of how do we define our relationship with the land and with one another? This question of what is it that we have dominion over and what is it like to have a posture of receiving? There's a very famous article uh, written by a guy named Lynn White, uh, arguing that the Bible uh, is responsible for the rape of the earth because in Genesis 1, God says you will have dominion over. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a misread. And that's been answered uh, to say it was really John Locke and Francis Bacon who, who uh, invented privatiz privatization. Right. Private in, in the 17th century. Yeah. If it was a misread, dominion, what is the correct read? Well, it means to uh, preside over that it may flourish. That it may flourish. Yeah. 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 That that would be a a good lord, lord. Yeah. of of the manor. That mm -hmm. a good manor, the lord of the manor, mm -hmm. doesn't exploit the property but nourishes it for the next generation. Yeah. As in Downton Abbey. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Great story. Walter, your three, uh, let me just move the categories along. There's maybe a fourth or a domain. Genera uh, generosity and hospitality and forgiveness are all things I do. <clears throat> uh, I think there's another thing, which is uh, the, the willingness to receive. Yes. And it, it's the unwillingness to receive that creates the whole service mentality, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it is, I got it, you don't, is the underlying premise. And that's a barrier against my receiving from you. And I think the common is that I'm receiving and giving. Right. 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 
So uh, the whole m modern market is mostly uh, I, I am getting, yeah. right? Not that I am I am giving. It's, it's the difference between the unilateral and the bilateral right. understanding of relationships. That's right. And so I would just add yeah, the ability yeah, to receive yep. as uh, as something else that. And would uh, would the would the uh, antithesis of that be okay. an unwillingness to receive because you don't want to be indebted, or, to, to, or what would, no, where would the no unwillingness to receive? Well, in this, I think of unwillingness to receive is that I'm superior. Uh, that that I know you don't know. Right. I fix. You're you're the fixie. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's uh, it's so it's what Christian charity does. It makes me superior. Yes, of course. And uh, <clears throat> so I th I think the unwillingness to receive is is this sense that I am above you. Right, right. And therefore, it's a great equalizer of our talents being shared. And right. that's what the, we have the commons for in the first place. Yeah. Right, is the shared, shared right. purpose that it right. provides. So I, I just add that one. That's good. I like that. That's an element of empire. Is I know colonialism. I know when you don't. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That was Truman in 49. <laughs> who said, these poor countries to the south, these undeveloped countries, yes. we're going to help them out. Right. And uh, they didn't know they were undeveloped. That's right. Until he yep. shared that with them. Yeah. You, you did know. raise, well, there, there is another reason, I suppose, for it, which I saw in Japan. Uh, in Japan, the give, the, there's an absolute cultural demand. Oh. It's a strong as any cultural demand we get out of our society, that if I give you something, you must give me something right. equal with. Right. I am placing an on on you. The on would be the word, an on, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Now, the result of that is that to give a gift is, <laughs> is something people don't want to have happen. Because it places it on on you. Right. It isn't. I can't sit back and say, "Oh, well, thank you. It was my yes. birthday. <laughs> I must return to you right. in equal measure right. what you have done yep. for me." And I'm carrying. I've got a ledger book <laughs> in my head <laughs> in which I relieve the on. Right. I get the on off my back. Yeah. And uh, mm. so there it is. I don't want to be indebted to. I would I would think that uh, if one has an obligation to respond, that uh, there would be pressure to top the first gift, gift. and give a better gift. <laughs> I don't know Not about bad, that. No. I, I, I've always heard it said by Jeff. Equal, equal, and, yeah. equal. Yeah, maybe so. Equal and yeah, and, yeah. Where does generosity occur then in a Japanese culture? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I should. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe where would generosity ever be? Somebody who would be positive, right? Well, maybe it's through it, kindness, you know. But yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe when it gets concretized in yeah. a physical thing. Right. We want to maintain equity like the potlatch. Yes, yeah. that's where it. We, where we yeah. do that. But maybe yeah. relationally, there's kind of cultures, anybody. Yeah. 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 And I, I uh, you know, I think the uh, other word, for the performance of reciprocity, is to create social equity. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big struggle with empire and uh, the economy now is it produces social inequity. And yep. equity in the literal sense of what do I own? Social meaning uh, the public sense. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. And, and, and uh, there are, every time there's a development, there's a conversation with the public in Cincinnati. They have hearings, mm -hmm. they have gatherings, they have meetings. And uh, the outcome is never equitable. And so even as you develop a vulnerable neighborhood, they still call it development, even though outsiders have come in and build large new structures. Mm -hmm. But the residents never end up owning anything more yeah, than right. they did before the development occurred. Right. Well, they usually moved out. Well, and sometimes they move out, and yeah. sometimes I mean, it was been, empty to start with, but they get dispossessed. It's yeah. our own diaspora yeah. onto yeah. The, yeah. the west side. But that, to me, is, you say, what would the performance look like? It would be to see that every transaction both ended up owning more than they started with. Right, right. <laughs> doesn't have to be equal. I don't know. We, we were talking, somebody's talking about the distinction between equity and equality. Is it? And equality has nothing just about equality. Is it zero sum? everybody the same. You know, where equity means that I own, to me, the racial... The reparations, you say, what would the performance of this neighborhood look like? Right. It was attend to reparations. Yes. Mm -hmm. And reparations meant that we all had control of our financial well-being. Right. We all had some asset that would live on, whether it's land or enterprise or building. Right. And we don't argue about it all being equal. Right. Because right. that's the accidental nature of, you yeah. know, gene parent selection maybe yeah. or whatever right right but I do think that that that's the hardest thing to talk about yeah and John when we've talked to so many people that have built Dudley Street yeah and uh, the neighborhood woman in Chicago yeah. you know uh, yeah. every what was the name of that Jackie Reed Jackie Reed yeah, yeah. and you say well we've, we've managed health care so it's distributed you know and we've housing we've solved the housing right. thing so now we have housing but what about ownership of assets and equity? They say, oh, we haven't got there yet. What about the economy? Yeah. We haven't got there yet. Yeah. They're still dependent on this bigger cycle that you're talking about, which is I'm going to do well in the morning right. and do good in the afternoon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's yeah. the justification. Yeah. I make a lot of money in the morning, yes. yeah. and yeah. then I pile it up in the afternoon <laughs> and give you 5% a year. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we and, and that's you know that's yeah. the struggle is to unlock that money right and right. use it to invest in people, not yeah. invest in professional services. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, most of it goes, you know. Yeah, that was there. incidentally. I had research done in the anti-poverty area as to who got the money, mm -hmm. and I have uh, for Cook County got one of uh, the economics members of our faculty to do a study of. Who got the money that was for poor people? 
all to go all the federal money and all the state money that, where the classification of beneficiary was poor, right? And you can find that in the legislation. And then who got it? I should give this to you. You'd be I want quiet. it. Yeah, God, yeah. Well, I would love to see that. Okay. And about 63% of it is not money going to poor people. <laughs> I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised it's 37. Yeah. 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 That all the rest goes, well, a little goes for food and housing <clears throat> subsidy, and the great amount goes to professionals. Right? And, and then the remaining gets. So this study shows at the time that was done that if you took all of the money that came for poor people in the Cook County, and you said, here's, here's the poverty line, right? And here's the amount of money that people are short of being above the poverty line. All the people who add that up. That there was more money came into Cook County <laughs> for poor people uh, than would, or put it the other way, the amount of money that came in, if you gave it to everybody so that they would be above the poverty line, was there was more money left if you did that than the way it happened, which is you just ended up giving it to people who had money already. Yeah. And it, it, nothing. We're afraid to give money <laughs> to people that don't have money. That's right. Yes. That's what right. is that about? Is that oh, covetous? Boy, that when I was in that field, it's misuse. Yeah, you know, by alcohol and drugs with oh, that's, right. that, that, that's well, so uh, Chuck, powerful. Chuck Grassley said that about the, the tax plan. Yeah, <laughs> he said we're going to fix it so that these people can't, can't manage it because they use they use all their money on booze, women, and movies. Yeah. That's what he said. Unlike the rich people. That's right. Warren Hatch. we're learning everything. Warren Hatch said he was so tired of taking care of people who won't do anything for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send quite it. Quite a projection, you. isn't it? <laughs> it's quite a projection. I couldn't believe those people would say things like that, yeah. even if they think that they ought to shut their mouths. That's what. That's the. That's the valve that's been opened. That's right. That, that's exactly yeah. right. Speak without consequence. That's right. So the performance of neighborliness would be partly the distribution of ownership and the willingness to invest in people on the margin. That's right people that we used to call poor. Now we call them neighbors. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and uh, to and invest to support in them. them. You had a word. Well, I call, it, I call it social equity. Or I call the people economically isolated. That's it. And yep. sort of overcome their economic isolation. Yep. That's yep. perfect. And we don't yep. realize how isolated yeah. people on the margin are. I, I remember asking guy who runs the homeless here. Who are these people? And he said, they're you and me, but they just don't have a support system. <laughs> yes. And that made sense to me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so that would be the performance of, of, of uh, generosity, hospitality, is the welcoming the stranger. Yes. This has been the Common Good Podcast, conversations at the intersection of place and belonging and remembering. 
You can learn more about the works of Peter, John, and Walter, as well as the Common Good Fellowship and daily food for thought emails at commongood.cc. Common Good is a collaborative production of The Hive, a center for contemplation, art, and action, and Common Change, eliminating personal economic isolation. We're produced by myself, Troy Bronsink, as well as Joey Taylor. The music for this podcast is written and produced by Jeff Gorman. We look forward to more conversations ahead. And if you're wondering what John, Peter, and Walter are spending all the money on. They use all their money on booze, women, and movies. (laughs) 